Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the Take It in Stride podcast. I am your host, Adrian Jezik. A lot has happened since last week when I first introduced myself to all of you, and it's taken me some time to process. I did my annual blood work with my endocrinologist, and I got my labs back and I have no trace of autoimmune presence in my system. This is a shock to me, not because I wasn't already feeling good, I was feeling great, but I had fully anticipated and prepared myself for the arguments, the fighting with my doctor about whether or not I needed to be on medication and what that medication would be. I knew how I felt but I did not anticipate getting confirmation via blood work. So that was really exciting for me. But my doctor also said she hopes she never sees me again. And at first that made me really excited, but then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that that's not exactly what I wanted to hear. What I would have loved to hear is, tell me more. How did you do it? How can I share this information with other people I know that were struggling or that are struggling the way that you were? And we didn't have that conversation, but that's okay because I'm going to have that conversation with you. And I'm just going to take a little time each week to share each step that I have taken to get where I am today. And the very first step I took was with what I ate. And I'm not going to call it diet. I'm not on a diet. I don't do diet. Diet is what you do when you're straying from your eating plan. Diet is what you do when you're not following the best possible course of nutrition for your body. And that's how I see it. So I don't follow a diet. I eat food, and I eat food that is good for my body. But it wasn't always this way. I didn't always eat good food. I didn't always eat food that was meant to heal and nurture me and provide me the strength and the energy that I needed to survive. And part of that comes from education. I grew up poor. There's no shame in that. But we we lived off of cereal and hamburger helper and fish that we would catch in the ocean and spaghetti and pizza and that isn't the type of food that's meant for growth and nurturing. And so when I started eating on my own in my mid-teens, making my own food choices, I was not making smart food choices. I used to drink Minimum two 64-ounce drinks of Coca-Cola every day. I would eat maybe one meal a day, and that was always a restaurant meal because that was my background. That's what I did. So it was like 50% off or free, and you can't beat that. So I'd stock up a lot on pasta and fried food, and I didn't understand the long-term effects that that could have on the body. One of my dearie, one of my very good friends recently shared with me 
the way that he thinks about it. And it has to do with our cell turnover. And if our cells fully turn over every seven years or however many years it is, think about what you're putting in your body today. Think about the type of nutrients that you are feeding your body and your brain today and the cells that that is going to create, the cells that those foods and nutrients are going to create. And that's what you're going to end up with on the surface of your skin in five to seven years because those cells will eventually make it to the surface where they slough off and we create new ones. But where do they start? How are they starting? And mine didn't start out super strong. Like I said, I had, I had a poor diet. I drank a lot of soda. And in my 20s, it didn't get a lot better. I ate, I ate fast food. I ate junk, sugar. Oh my gosh, did I, I still... I still crave Coca-Cola. I don't remember the last time I had a Coca-Cola. It's got to be almost a year at least, but I still crave it and I still crave sweets. So that's why I started fasting, but we'll get to that. When I first got sick, I didn't realize that standing while eating and choking back my meals because I was busy was also having negative effects on the body. So it's not just what I was eating. It was how I was eating. It wasn't just what I was putting in. It was the ways I was consuming my food. And there's a book, it's called the Island by Aldous Huxley. And in it, they don't do prayer before meal. They put a bite of food in their mouth. And they close their eyes and they think of all the intention that went into creating that meal. They think of toiling the earth while farming and the people picking the vegetables and the cows that were slaughtered for the meat. And I don't even remember if they ate meat in this book, but the idea was to hold intention to think of all the love and the effort and the preparation that went into that food before it made it to the plate, before it put in, you put it in your mouth. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's a really beautiful way to start to develop a relationship with your food, to eat with mindfulness and intention to chew slowly not to eat our food as a way to get from one meal to the next or to get from one period of time to the next, but to really hold space for the nutrients that we're providing our body. And the reason that I bring up the food thing is because changing my diet was the first step that I took or changing my food regimen was the first step that I took in taking control of my health. Almost three years ago, so it'll be three years ago, January, and I shared this a little bit with you last week, but I had a bout of heartburn that scared me. It was so bad. I thought, this is it. Like, I'm going to the ER. They got to do something. I'm dying here. And I didn't go to the, uh, the ER. I went home. I went home and I really thought long and hard about what could I do? Because I knew what the doctors would do. Take Tums, take antacids, give me more pills, increase the dose of my pills, 
And at that point, I had already been on Prilosec for three years, and you're not supposed to be on it for that long. And it wasn't, it wasn't really helping. It wasn't doing the job. So I thought, what can I do? And I'd recently read this book by Dr. Terry Walls. It was called The Walls Protocol. And this is my book recommendation for the week. So jot that down. The Walls Protocol. It's spelled W-A-H-L-S. Dr. Terry Walls. T-E-R-R-Y. She developed MS and she created this eating plan for a low inflammation diet. And because I had the knowledge of this book in the back of my mind, I thought, this is something I can do. I can start by just eating better. With more mindfulness, with intention, just eat better. And I thought, I can do this for 30 days. I'm going to take 30 days. I'm going to follow the walls protocol to a T. And that's what I did. I went out and I bought all the organic fruits and vegetables and the grass-fed meats, no hormones, no antibiotics, no nitrites. Really good stuff. It's a lot of food. I mean, three days worth of food. And it was like $150. And I thought, there's no way I can sustain this. There's no way I can eat this much food in a day. First of all, I was so overwhelmed because it's three cups of mixed fruits and you want them to be dark fruits. You want to avoid like the pears, the apples, the bananas. You want to go for like your berries and your really colorful, dark colored fruits. Three cups of mixed leafy greens every day. I had a superpower greens mix I would get from Costco that I absolutely loved. It had spinach and kale and chard in it. Three cups of sulfurous vegetables a day. So like your cauliflower, peppers, onions, mushrooms, garlic, broccoli, a lot, a lot of vegetables are sulfurous vegetables. So that was really good. That was really easy. And I love vegetables. So that was good for me. And six ounces of meat. So your chicken or your fish or your steak. And I thought, I can do this for 30 days. And I really knew I could do it for 30 days when by day three or four, I know it was very early on in that week, I felt amazing. I had energy for the first time in a long time. And so I followed 30 days, no problem. By the end of that 30 days, my husband was on board. He loved to eat that way. The kids were on board. They were loving the new recipes. And I had some decisions to make. Was I going to continue hardcore on this eating plan and protocol? Or was I going to give it up? And I decided to go a little middle of the road. I thought, I don't need to eat this much food every day. And I was at the beginning of healing my gut. I did not understand that at the time, but this was the first step in the process towards changing the biome in my gut and giving me a little more energy. Because if you've got a little more energy and you can do a little more, you can accomplish a little more. And I was feeding my body good nutrients really for the first time. I was giving my body the fuel that it needed to start creating healthy cells. And that was almost three years ago.
And it didn't stop there. Like the diet wasn't the full answer. The change in eating regimen was not the full answer. I didn't lose any weight and I didn't eliminate any medications. That's not true. I eliminated enzymes. I was taking enzymes with every meal because I wasn't capable of breaking down my food properly. Well, once I started eating the right foods, eating good for me foods, eating it with intention, chewing it before I swallowed, sitting down and really enjoying my meals, I wasn't experiencing the difficulty digesting that I originally was. So that was part of it. Following the walls protocol for 30 days and then modifying my diet or my food regimen So it's a bad habit to break, isn't it? It's really hard to break that habit of calling what we eat our diet. It's not a diet. It's our food. We eat our food. So I'm I'm correcting myself there as well. But But it wasn't the full answer. It didn't give me everything that I was looking for. And that's okay. It was just the beginning. It was the beginning of me taking ownership of my illness, taking ownership of my body, And creating some responsibility for myself. And I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, I can definitely see that I was a victim of my illness. I was a victim of autoimmune disease. I made sure that I was the victim before I started to take control. And once I started to take control, that's when I started to become more empowered. And we all know my hugest catalyst was the ice, but it's a well-rounded regimen. I don't do any one thing. I do several things that make up what has gotten me here today, what has brought me to health today. So today's focus is on the food plan. And I've shared with you the book that I'm interested in, the book that got me started, Dr. Terry Walls, Walls Protocol. But there was another little tip and trick that I had learned along the way. And and I read a lot about this. A a lot of people talk about it. It goes back even to Ernest Hemingway. Hemingway would say that he would rather, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not quoting him, but he would rather go three days not eating bad, cheap food because it was all he could afford, but he would rather go three days hungry not eating at all so that at the end of that three days, he could take up all the money that he'd saved for three days worth of food and have one fantastic meal experience. And he would sit down in a restaurant and he would order fine wine and he would have all of his courses and he would appreciate that meal and the quality of the food that he was putting in his body. Because in his mind, It was better to eat one really good for you meal than it was three days of franks and beans or whatever canned goodness that he could get at the pittance that he was making at the time. And he would even admit that sometimes when he was starving is when he got his best work done because he had clarity and he wasn't bothered and he wasn't distracted by what his next meal was going to be. So I think there's a lot to that and I started doing intermittent and extended fasting. And I didn't start with intermittent fasting. I started with extended fasting. And it came after another bout of heartburn or stomach discomfort that was really hard to deal with. 
And again, I got fed up. Apparently, this is a real motivator for me to just get fed up with the way things are so that I can make a change. And that's exactly what I did. I just said, I'm not going to eat another thing until whatever this poison is inside of me is out. And I didn't. And my first extended fast lasted 48 hours. And I felt great. Especially right about that 45, 48 hour mark, I had a real sense of mental clarity. But the best part is, is that my body was able to just focus on processing what I had put into it. So whatever difficulty it was having digesting, whatever issues that I was going through digestionally, it worked its way out because I wasn't continuing to add food on top. I allowed whatever the offensive thing was to get all the way through my system so that I could get on to the next step. And to this day, I like breaking my extended fasts with Mediterranean food. I'm a big fan of peppers and olives and a little bit of steak, fresh vegetables, tomatoes, onions, garlic. So that's my favorite way to break a fast. My longest extended fast was 74 hours and I just hit a stride. I started to feel like when I was doing an extended fast, my body not only had the opportunity to fully process what was in it, but when it was starting to get hungry, what I started to recognize is not even so much hunger as like a time alert that says, hey, it's lunchtime, it's dinner time. My body would consume itself, right? Our bodies feed off themselves if we're not providing them food. And I am convinced that it started with the cells that didn't belong there. I really believe that the first parts of my body that started to vanish during fasting were those unhealthy cells because it still didn't go after the fat right away. I still wasn't losing weight and I wasn't doing fasting to lose weight. I was doing it to regulate my digestion. And that made me a lot more mindful about when I would eat and why I would eat and what I would eat. Because once you've broken that stigma that we have about you got to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and two snacks in between and all these things. And, and I didn't, I still had my energy. I still had focus. I had emotional regulation so extended fasting was serving me well, and I wasn't doing it often. At first, when I started, I was only doing it once or twice a month, and it was only as a reaction. I was only doing it in reaction to something that was hurting me or in reaction to something, some sort of discomfort. But then I realized breakfast was hard on my body, and it's not just because I'm allergic to eggs, which is the worst. And I have not always been allergic to eggs. Um, that started when all of this illness started about six years ago. So I used to eat eggs and I love eggs, but if I can't have eggs, well, forget breakfast. I mean, really, 
I love bacon, but you cannot just do bacon for breakfast. Like that's not sustainable. It was not enough for me. So a little bit out of anger, but a little bit out of recognizing what my body needed, I eliminated breakfast. I thought, you know what? I know my body. I was really getting in tune with my body and learning that I need a good five or six hours of water before I can attempt food in the day. And there are times when I'm more physically active, you know, like when we went to Burning Man, obviously, I was a lot more physically active. So I'd have a light breakfast of some fruit or vegetables. But for the most part, my day-to-day life, I don't need breakfast. So I started with extended fasting. I've since moved on to intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting is where you only eat during a certain time period in the day. And I'm not really hard about that time period. I'm not like, oh, I don't eat before 11 and I don't eat after 8. Like, I'm not, I'm not hard about it like that. I just know that if I wake up at 5 a.m., I don't want to put anything in my body until after 11 a.m. And I know that at the end of the day, I'd like at least three to four hours before going to bed for my last meal. So I typically try to eat dinner around four or five o'clock, which should show you how old I am. But no, I like to eat dinner around four or five o'clock. So I have several hours after dinner for my body to process the food that I gave it before lying down and going into a sedentary state. And since making that change, it was a catalyst for weight to start falling off. Because in between meals, I was allowing my body time to process the meal and reset. And the food that I was putting into it was real food, real fuel for the body. And that doesn't mean I don't ever have a hamburger or cheeseburger or a piece of pizza or some wings. I do that. I believe all of life is balanced, but balance isn't always 50-50. So on occasion, I do still have dessert. On occasion, I do still have junk food. But I noticed that as long as I was putting good solid nutrients into my body, I was getting good results. And as long as I was paying attention to the amount of time that my body needed to process that food, I was getting good results. So I was changing my relationship with food and I was feeling better. And I started to lose some weight. And this is just over a little over a year ago. And I started intermittent extending fasted and extended fasting all around the same time that I started ice baths. So again, I don't believe that ice baths completely cured me. I believe it was a combination of my food changes, introducing ice baths, and the other mental and physical changes I started to make. So I started to become more physically active, partly because I had more energy. But again, I don't call it a diet. This is a food regimen. This is what I do to keep my body alive. And now when I look in the mirror, when I see the face looking back at me, I see the nutrients I've been putting into my body for these last three years. I see the cells starting to emerge on the surface 
as a result of what I've been putting in and nurturing myself with over these past few years. And what is growth without discomfort? There is a great benefit in understanding what hunger really is. And I do know what hunger was to me. Hunger used to be to me that I could not say no to a free donut. That I also could not say to no to a buffet. And I could not say no to the snack table. I could not say no to free food. And throughout this process of intermittent and extended fasting, and I also got braces, which really makes you think twice about what, what you're going to eat because then you got to clean it all out. So there's a lot of different things that were changing. And one of the main focuses here, one of the main common denominators here was that what was changing was my mind. The biggest changes that I was making were the stories I was telling myself and the perceptions that I had over the experiences that I was going through. So I read the walls protocol, did my own modified walls, started intermittent and extended fasting, and really listening, tuning into my body about what it needed. Now, I eat a high vegetable diet, big on vegetables, love vegetables, and red meat. I still eat chicken, I still eat fish, but the vast majority of meat that I eat is steak. And when I eat steak, I feel good. But vegetables are key. So a typical day for me starts with my magic elixir, which I'll get to in a moment, followed by a big glass of water, followed by a cup of black coffee, get more to that in a moment as well. Lunch for me consists of usually something light. It'll be an avocado with a cheese snack or a meat snack, or it'll be a light salad. Almost always an avocado though, because I really like the fats in the avocado. I like the way I feel full with an avocado. And I also like how easy it is for my body to process. And once you've done an elimination diet, you really understand the foods that are irritants, the foods that are easy to process. And I'll talk about elimination diets on another episode because that's a whole, that's a whole to do all in and of itself. But when you know what you're putting in your body and you know how your body reacts to it, you start to really crave. I started to really crave what was good for me. So an avocado at lunch is outstanding. And for dinner, it's almost always a plate full of vegetables and some meat. Occasionally I'll get a T-bone that takes up a whole plate. So I have to do a plate of vegetables and a plate of a T-bone, but, uh, that's dinner. And then the snacks are rare. Desserts are rare. It's a rare occasion when I go out to eat and eat something that's not part of my regimen. I avoid carbs. I avoid any type of white breads. And yes, I miss the bagels and I miss the buttered toast and I miss the rice, but I'll still have it on, a, on an occasion. It just doesn't serve my body a purpose. It's not fuel for my body. So before I put it in my body, I think about, is this fuel? Are these nutrients? Why am I eating? Am I eating because I'm bored? Am I eating because I'm emotional? Am I eating because I'm stressed? Am I eating because somebody else is eating? 
So I really started to break it down that way and think about it. And so let's talk about my magic elixir. This, this has been a real kicker for me. I've been on this for a year. Literally started a year ago, October. And my dear friend, Michael Roviello, you can find him on Instagram at Michael underscore the underscore arc. He is also one of the owners of Optimized Wellness here in Phoenix, Arizona. Great place to go and get your IR sauna or your cold plunge compression therapy. They also hold sound healing and drum classes and a lot of great stuff going on there. So give them a check out if you're in Phoenix, but Michael posted on Instagram, his magic elixir that he does every morning on an empty stomach. And I thought, why not? Right? Let's give it a try. I am healing the gut. I am healing myself from the inside. Let's give it a try. And it's, and it sounds gross. So bear with me here. So this magic elixir that Michael shared with me, and I'm going to share with you today, starts with a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. I know it's gross, right? And I go for the brags because it's got the mother. Give it a good shake because you want to make sure you get that fermented stuff, that sediment. You want to make sure you get that in there. So one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, two tablespoons of lemon juice, preferably fresh lemons. If you can get fresh lemons, do fresh lemons. I can get fresh lemons. I'm lazy. I do not do fresh lemons. I get 100% organic lemon juice from Sprouts and that works for me. So one tablespoon apple cider vinegar, two tablespoons of fresh organic lemon juice. I do a dash of paprika, a dash of Himalayan sea salt. Himalayan sea salt's got so many electrolytes. You guys that are messing with those electrolyte drinks, read your ingredients. Tell me what each of those ingredients are. If you can even pronounce them, I'm interested in having that conversation. But I bet you can't pronounce them, and I sure bet you probably don't know what they are. So if you need electrolytes, add some Himalayan salt to your coffee, add it to your water. Doesn't take much, just a sprinkle or two. I digress, back to the elixir. So I do all that, ACV, lemon, Himalayan salt, paprika, and four ounces of water. I make it in a copper mug. I have heard that there are great benefits to drinking beverages out of copper, so I make it in a copper mug, and I drink it on an empty stomach right when I wake up every single morning. I get out of bed, I let the dogs out, I make my elixir. And the first time I drank it, oh my God, I about died. It is disgusting. But it woke me right up. I mean, it gives you a wake up jolt, like coffee, espresso, none of those could do. It's clear. It's all of a sudden you're awake and alert. So that helped me want to try it again. So by day two, I was begrudgingly choking it down by day three and four routine. No big deal. Smell didn't bother me. The taste didn't bother me. Here I am a year in. And if I go without it, I notice and I miss it. And I started seeing a lot of great changes in my body from this. A lot of changes in my skin, in my gut, in my energy levels. So I believe in this magic elixir. That's why I call it magic elixir. And I don't think Michael invented it. I know I sure didn't invent it. I took it from him, but I don't think he invented it. I'm sure he just heard about it, but it works. So 
I do my magic elixir and then I have a full glass of water. I'm talking 12 full ounces of water before I do anything else. And it might take me a whole hour to drink that water. It might take two hours to drink that water, but I drink that water even before I have my coffee. And I want to talk about coffee because even when I do extended fasting or intermittent fasting, I always have a cup of coffee in the morning. That's my jam. My coffee is my jam. I love my coffee, not giving up my coffee, but I did give up the cream and I gave up the sugar and I gave up the flavors and I didn't substitute it. I tried for a while. I tried like, all right, if I, if I can't do this cream, I'll do that cream. And if I can't do this sweetener, I'll do, I'll do this substitute sweetener. Substitutes don't work. When it comes to changing a food regimen, you either eat the food or you don't eat the food. You don't say, well, I'm going to go for gluten-free mac and cheese because it's gluten-free. Again, I implore you to read your ingredients. Know your ingredients. If you can't pronounce them, if you can't grow them, they're probably not going to be the greatest ingredients. So I had to learn to avoid substitutes which is also how I discovered I was allergic to soy because when you can't have eggs, next best thing is soy. And then, Oh, lo and behold, soy is fun, but I couldn't go without my coffee. So I learned to drink it black. Now I can drink it hot, cold, lukewarm, or any of the in-between as long as it's black and only do one cup, not a lot whether I'm fasting, whether I'm not fasting, magic elixir, big glass of water, one cup of coffee. The rest of my day, I chug water. I love water. You don't have to convince me to drink water. But that's how I start with that magic elixir. And I make sure and put foods in my body with ingredients that I recognize and can tell where they come from. They're not man-made ingredients, unless the man grew them. They're not substitutes for real ingredients. My ingredients are my food. Broccoli has one ingredient. Steak has one ingredient. Black coffee has one ingredient. Unless you add a dash of Himalayan salt, which I highly recommend. Helps with the acidity, helps enhance the flavor. But I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you to read your ingredients. Anything you decide to eat this week, anything you decide to consume between now and the time we meet again, read your ingredients and tell me what you think. Tell me what you've discovered. I look forward to your questions. You can send them to my email at itakeitinstride at gmail.com. Again, that's itakeitinstride at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Adrian underscore Jezik. You can find me on Facebook at Adrian Jezik. I'm here to answer your questions, share some knowledge, and hopefully learn from your experiences and share some of my own with you. I thank you for taking this time today and I look forward to talking with you again next week. Until then, stay vulnerable, stay curious, and we'll meet again soon.